Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type, and then we report back those results to each other and you fine listeners as well. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went. This episode's challenge is college films. Indeed. It was a good pick, Mike. I think you're right. Like, it's the right time of year. People are getting back to, uh, well, all schools, but college in particular. <laughs> yeah. I kind of went in looking at first going, all right, are there films about like returning to college, like starting a new year or people like starting college for the first time? Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up, I don't think, using any of that on my, <laughs> my visual <laughs> picks. Uh, but there's a lot out there. You're just doing your basic Google searches and stuff. Um, I was like, okay, well, those there's some classics there. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing you and I, neither one of us picked Animal House, but like, oh, yeah, very, I, very iconic college movie there. Absolutely. I mean, just as as normally as when we go through episodes like this, that's that's just seemed like such an obvious pick that to do that would just show that it made zero effort, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but Animal yeah. House, that that is that is a personal favorite of mine. I know there are parts of it that are now probably dated uh, given the given the, cur- <laughs> the current climate, but I've. I just remember watching that uh, with with friends in high school. There, there's one specific night we had an epic, just a, you know, it was kind of a sleepover kind of thing where we watched Animal House. I I think like three or four times in a row. Um, you know, we were we we had a few drinks, you know, high school drinks. Yeah, <laughs> and just there are certain parts that always make us laugh. You know, the donkey scene um, is one of them. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, there are so many things that are probably really problematic with that right now. And Revenge of the Nerds as well. You know, you throw that one in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched that one in a while, but that is um, kind of interesting as, as we age here ourselves, like seeing stuff uh, fondly remember, remembered from youth and you go back and you're like, that's interesting. I mean, I'm glad society's evolving and things are ideally getting getting better. But as we've said before, you know, sometimes you got to engage with problematic art. Um, yes, I, I have an element we need to address in one of my picks, which we will get to um, <laughs> eventually. But that doesn't mean you know throw it out the window necessarily. It's like, well, that's a product of its time, huh? Yes, How about that, sort of thing. <laughs> that brings up an interesting kind of uh, approach to this list, though. Too, as you just mentioned, watching. It's in my head. It's the days to confused. Uh, I don't know how to syndrome. That's not the right word for it. The days to confused effect. I'll call it that. Um, longtime listeners of the show, uh, you know, I mentioned that before as a touchstone of. I watched that movie while I was in high school, and it's about yeah. kids like leaving high school, and then eventually I grow up and I watch the movie in college, and it's nostalgic all of a sudden instead of this <laughs> aspirational thing. But that sounds like what you were doing with with Animal House. Did you have other? Before you got to college, were there films about college you were watching? Oh, yeah. Um, as I, I kind of mentioned, like Revenge of the Nerds, for some reason, is one of those movies that I've always loved since I was a kid. It, mm-hmm. They used to play it on uh, the the local Channel 43. I I swear, maybe almost every weekend. Um, it was a like, lot. I remember that, too. <laughs> yeah, they – I you know, back – I wish a lot of – not a lot of people watch local channels anymore, but – I wish the the movie rights packages were not so expensive now than they were back then because I just miss uh, you know it would be like Teen Wolf 
Revenge of the Nerds, Team Witch, you know, stuff like that was was always like played on Channel Forty Three. But the um, there's something about that one in particular. I because I I think I identify as a nerd, and uh, you know, it's like when you see that underdog story, yeah, of, of the nerds like overcoming their getting made fun of and everything. Uh, now. There, there's a really hilarious YouTube video about all of the, the crimes that that they commit in this movie. That would oh yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> in, in jail, like voyeurism and uh, you know sleeping with uh, the cheerleader while she thinks it's somebody else. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, and there's a lot of like bad cultural stereotypes in that movie. Sure. But for some reason, it's always kind of resonated with me, and maybe because uh, they they use uh, Queens, we are the champions. At one point, where they're where uh, you know Anthony Edwards is giving this impassioned speech about mm-hmm. you know I'm a nerd and I'm proud of it. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It it makes me tear up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That that's the one that I watched a lot, uh, especially when I got my own dvd player that was one like they came out with this two pack of like revenge of the nerds one or two i never really watched two because that one's not great but uh yeah that that one got a lot of play in my dvd player (laughs) but also it's a time period when um you know nerd culture wasn't what it is now yeah so having a touchstone like that of just like you know yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this isn't weird this is just me Uh, i like yeah Yeah. for sure (laughs) I I went entirely a different route as a kid going or looking forward to college. Like I was not obviously in college. This is, you know, high school watching sure. stuff. And I, I remember um, I think also being a theater nerd myself yeah. in high school drew me to uh, Dead Poet Society. Oh, yes. So yes. like very tragic ends there to a certain degree, um, but very dramatic, but also being a big Robin Williams fan, uh, you know, is one of like the school, the, what I would call like the schools of comedy. My dad got me into was like Mork and Mindy and Robin Williams was just one of them. You know, Mel Brooks yeah. was another one and seeing like, I watched good morning Vietnam probably way too young because it had Robin Williams in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but th- watching dead Poets study a lot. I remember watching that a lot on VHS. And then also, um, I remember being excited to go see, um, again, like with my dad, um, with honors, yes theater yeah didn't like it as much but it was like it 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 felt similar ish you know these these ivy league and i was i did not go to ivy league school i mean i love going to my college right state down in dayton ohio but it was not ivy it did not look like a college it looked (laughs) like you know a strip mall um but then also i remember i really got in like i liked boys in the hood when i found it on video but the contemporary movie of john singleton's that i could go watch was higher learning Yes. I think I referenced on our previous episode. Um, I couldn't have been farther from your comedies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the college ones I was looking for. And also like not not great examples of what goes on at colleges either. As, I mean, yeah. everything in Dead Poets Society is great. But man, I don't know. I had a probably a pretty warped idea of, of college before I got there. No, I, uh, higher learning. I that that's that was a favorite of mine, you know, when it's it's funny like the first the first night that we had gotten hbo in my household that was the the premiere like the the saturday premiere movie that week week oh yeah yeah was higher learning so i got 
got to see that a couple times. I, I mean, such good performances in there. Um, like Michael Rappaport's actually really good as the as, as the racist. Guy. Yeah, go for yeah. <laughs> um, But but yeah, I don't. Another comedy that just kind of popped in my head that I remember watching quite a bit when I was growing up was Real Genius um, with Oh with yeah. Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know that you know Val Kilmer was kind of. I think that was right before Top Gun, but he had just also did Top Secret and uh, like, you know, he had, I mean, he's, he had just such like a, a presence um, mm-hmm. back then. I mean, he, you know, he had a great, or he, I should say he still has a great career. I know he can't really speak at the moment, yeah. but, um, but no, just like there was that time period where he was perfect for those kind of roles where, you know, he just naturally fit in like a glove. Also, like that range that you're showing, just I mean, it 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 looks easy on camera to do what I always call like the Leslie Nielsen, like the straight face, the straight man when yes. it's all chaos around you and that. But Kilmer did that perfect in Top Secret, real genius. I didn't see until I was in college, and I was like, the guy from the Doors, oh my god, this guy's amazing, this guy's hilarious. Yes, <laughs> uh, but then also being able to do you know the menacing, uh, you know, Top Gun role as well. You're like, okay, that's quite a range between these two. This guy, this guy can do it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the other speaking of like, you know, specifically Animal House uh, and, and Revenge of the Nerds, I was thinking like it does seem to be in the college movie uh, universe. I was like, OK, some of the go to's in my head, probably also just being a guy are a little fraternity based. Yeah, and there's even some fraternities in like higher learning, um, not the, not the focus quite the way it is with Animal House. Um, also, I, I was not a fraternity guy, still am not, although I don't yeah. have an option because I'm not in college anymore. But I was like, wait a minute, are, what, what's what's the sorority equivalent of Animal House or even a, a serious one? And I started Googling around and, um, you know, there's like the house on Sorority Row. There's the in, in, initiation. the init- Yeah, the initiation. I think it's uh, Sorority House Massacre. Like there it's it's it seems like a lot of horror based stuff. <clears throat> so I was digging in a little deeper and I remembered when I was at the uh, movie theater back right out of college doing some projection work at a multiplex, a Tommy Lee Jones movie called Man of the House. Where yes. he goes undercover in a sorority <laughs> and comedy ensues. But that really was more from his perspective as like fish out of water. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, you got Anna Ferris doing House Bunny. And then speaking of engaging with some problematic shit, uh, Sorority Boys. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, there was some cross dressing. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of imagine what that plot is. I didn't watch that one. That might be one that's like a so bad it's good. And it's one in the morning. I'll click play for like. 20 minutes to see what kind of, what yeah, kind of scene like that, that one was, is. That was one I was aware of, but it just looks so bad from the poster that I just never watched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, a, I'm not immune to a bad movie, but that one just looks <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, and then more recently, um, I did watch, but I don't have a, I don't have a real strong memory of it. Uh, Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy, where she oh, goes back yes, to yes. college. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the trailer. I I just never, yeah, never got around to watching that one. I mean, but, she's hilarious, but I, for some reason, that one. I remember we watched it at some point. I think at home here, and like it just is not staying in my brain. But like, there's a whole missed opportunity here. I think somebody could come along now and do, you know, the Animal House um, for you know the the sorority environment, or maybe it's out there yeah. and I just didn't find it. But yes, I was looking around for a while, and I'm like, yeah, it's really. Um, I mean, Anna Ferris is kind of queen of comedy there for a minute. So House Bunny. I could see people really responding to that. Uh, so maybe that is the the Animal House version, but yeah. Well, I almost yeah, you're right. I, it, it would be kind of interesting to have like the role reversal where it's like the girls who are who are very like 
you know, who want to attract the guys, uh, you know, or, or, or maybe girls, you know, <laughs> or yeah. girls. Um, I think that would be, uh, that would be something, a fresh spin on it to, to give yeah. them the power and make, maybe make the guys look like idiots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely watch that. It seems, yeah. uh, it seems, it seems ripe. It's just sitting right there, but exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you, uh, what have you got, Mike? What's a, what's an honorable mention movie you've got here for sure. college films? Well, you know, as as you were just alluding to uh, having a sorority type of movie, uh, this is mo- a movie that it, maybe it's a it's very very recent. Uh, but it, even as for me, I I saw it last night in a in a pretty uh, raucous crowd. Uh, it's called Slaughter House, and <laughs> yes. right. it is a, it is a. Uh, it's a movie that is about a, a young woman who um, wants to be the president of her sorority. And uh, she it's kind of clever at the beginning where you you get to see the dynamics of the house by showing each of them like their profile for their social media pops up and it shows how many followers they have. So okay. she has like a moderate amount of of followers and the one, the person who is the president, she has, you know, many. Um, and, uh, so the, um, she stumbles upon this, this animal collector, but actually like an animal poacher, uh, who is, uh, offers her this sloth. And, you know, she says, Oh, I, I, you know, I don't really, you're not allowed to have animals in the house, but as long as it it's called their, mascot you can have it there, there's like a oh, bio. Okay. so the 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 <laughs> she she takes the sloth home and then little little by little one by one the sloth is like very tech savvy and and learns that you know <laughs> that that it's been poached and uh starts to seek its revenge uh, on each of the each of the girls even the the girl that um has taken the sloth because she takes a selfie with the guy who's collected the sloth. Uh, so when the sloth sees that picture, it like triggers. Uh, sure. So um, I had not a lot of expectations for this movie, but I was really pleasantly surprised. Like that is, it's pretty smart. There's a lot of like great one liners. There's even like some, some callbacks to, or there's some like one liners that, you know, have nods to like Star Wars and, and a couple different things. Um, and like it really has like not a, you know, there's really no recognizable stars. And it was shot in, I believe at the end of the credits, I saw it was shot in Romania or Bulgaria, something like that. Um, but it does have a Cleveland connection uh, that it was put out by Gravitas Ventures and um, oh, yeah. our, our old pal Bill Gensler. I think had a hand in uh, uh, acquiring this movie for Gravitas and then putting it out there. So um, in theaters, yes, it is in theaters, but very sparsely, but you know, because it's, it's playing at the local Akron art house, the nightlight, but only for two nights. Um, And I think it played in Cleveland last week, but for one night only. So I'm sure it'll make all of its, you know, dough on VOD and it'll eventually hit streaming. But, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of cool how the timing worked out where like, Oh, I know we're going to record this episode. And then all of a sudden, 
uh, it was playing last night. So went and caught it. So we can't go past a sentence you said in that description. Uh, you said a tech savvy sloth. like if my hands are too cold my phone doesn't respond to my touch and meanwhile sloth all in picture to those claws um yes the the three the three little claws that yeah (laughs) (laughs) so is this like a smart i don't actually i don't know maybe sloths are like super intelligent creatures but like is there anything supernatural to the sloth or it's just a sloth who wants its revenge it it's mostly just a sloth that wants his revenge but i will say um, and I, I believe that leading up to watching it, like on their social media, they, you know, PETA recently gave them like that seal of approval of a movie that's like very pro animal. That's um, awesome. Because, you know, <laughs> they used, they used puppetry for, you know, for the sloth and, yeah. you know, there is kind of, there's a very pro, uh, animal message in this movie about, you know, don't, don't fuck with animals outside of their environment (laughs) and stuff so um in some ways like it's kind of endearingly sweet in that regard even though it's a you know it's a horror comedy uh but uh but yeah definitely it it was you know it was an experience and (laughs) (laughs) well i think picking a sloth too is kind of the right it's kind of one of the perfect animals to pick because like it's not a um I guess there are killer raccoon movies. I was trying to think like an opossum or like a hated kind of animal. Nobody hates a sloth. They like, they have their yeah. own uh, interesting kind of comic relief in Zootopia. And they're yes. just sort of known as like just these slow, adorable. Cr- I mean, they have those huge claws though, too, like no joke, but yeah. um, I guess also we don't really like, you don't run into sloths in Cleveland, at least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of like, Oh, they always eat my garden or they knock over my garbage cans or anything like that. So there, uh, I, once I don't want to spoil, but like there is one scene where the sloth drives a car as well. So yes, I, right. well now I'm sold. I mean, I was already interested, but <laughs> this is the kind of movie that that we're dealing with. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. How about you? <laughs> um, I have okay. So I have two honorable mentions. I don't really have one that ties in real well with what you just pitched. There's no animal <laughs> basis or anything. So. I'm going to do my 1970 film. Uh, It's called Getting Straight. Okay. Um, It's from Richard Rush, who is a director who's, uh, I guess he's best known for The Stuntman uh, nomination for Best Director. But he also did like The Color of Night. Okay. Uh, So he's been around for a while. But I don't know, like the directing here is what really grabbed me. Um, as I go through like seventies uh, American cinema, some of my favorite era of American cinema, Elliot Gould is a completely different actor in the 1970s than if you saw him as like the dad on friends or more, more modern stuff, you know, also kind of a notorious, if you read too much about him in the seventies, um, he alienated, he burned some bridges <laughs> as it were, but this one is really kind of fascinating. It's him doing comedy alongside uh, Candace Bergen um, kind of on her, uh, kind of her upswing w- with her career, just like taking off in the seventies. So it's 1970, which is key in just a moment here. He is a former student activist and also a Vietnam war veteran in 1970, going to college to get his graduate degree, to become a, uh, to get his master's, sorry, to become a teacher. Yeah. And so he's just kind of going along, but the film uh, is a very straight faced kind of comedy. It's not, very like it's not the slapstick of revenge of the nerds or animal house but it is a comedy 
Yeah. And it, it walks this really kind of fine line between everything that was going on in society and the, uh, the civil rights movement and the feminist movements um, and also the anti-Vietnam War uh, protests that were going on. All of that's happening and slowly building on this college campus. Um, and again, it's it comes out in 1970. So they wrote it and you know filmed it 68, 69, I would assume. This is after, you know, MLK has been assassinated. The president's been assassinated. His brother's yeah. been assassinated. Like, it's a lot of turmoil going on. And it's kind of addressing all of these things in kind of vignettes. Um, he's dating Candace Bergen, and she's very active uh, on campus. But there's other characters that pop up, like Max Julian uh, is is a local like civil rights activist on campus. And everything's treated very, I think... Not seriously, because it's not that serious. It's a comedy. It's everything's treated like with a certain amount of respect. Like, yeah, this is, you know, the the feminist a- uh, angle, the anti-Vietnam angle, the civil rights angle. They're all treated very respectfully, but comedically. Yeah. And Elliot Gould is just sort of juggling all these balls of like people go to him because he is a former student activist. He is a veteran and he's also a smart guy. And when but he's kind of just apathetic for the most part, like I just want to get my degree and let's move on. And he just dismisses everybody with like cynicism. Uh, that's that's the way to put it. Yeah. Until the end of the movie, when it boils, everything kind of boils to a head where like the the police are involved and there's a full scale riot on campus. There's students versus cops, et cetera, et cetera. But again, as a comedy. <laughs> so yeah. and he's like he defends his like thesis with a bunch of, you know, crusty old white guys in academia at the table and he loses it. And he's like standing on the table and it's Elliot Gould can do an eruption of self-righteous or righteous indignation so well in the 70s. And he yeah. does that at the peak of this movie. And I think it's it's quite funny. Um, it touches on a lot of things that were going on in that era, but it's almost completely forgotten. I think it came out a couple of weeks after the Kent State shootings in 1970. Oh, and wow. a movie about you know campus unrest from a comedic point of view. I think maybe that's why this one's kind of lost to the what do you call it? like the the dustbin of history, yeah, um, as it were. But I think now we have some distance to it. I it, it's such an interesting kind of encapsulation of all different kind of threads comedically all kind of different threads that were going on um throughout society um oh yeah. actually and also one last note uh bit part by harrison ford wow interesting well. so um i think i found it again like Tubi or a prime or one of those that just like has that you know that bottom shelf at your local video store back in the 90s that you know is has been gobbled up and is now streaming if you look hard enough on some platforms out there but yeah uh, yeah, really solid. And, and Kenneth Bergen's great in it. Um, she's the more like passionate one who's not playing it comedically. Uh, but Elliot Gould just, um, I don't know, 1970s Elliot Gould is just something, I don't know, I find interesting, uh, if not just out and out funny, because <laughs> he's not really doing it for laughs. Think of him in MASH. Like he's not going for like Jim Carrey style laughs. Yeah. It's like if you're paying attention, like he's doing something and he is embodying a character, but in like a very straight faced kind of comedic way. That's awesome. Yeah. So getting straight 1970 for that one. So I actually, for my next one, I went to the seventies as well. And uh, I found that some of the ones that I was, that I was trying to get for this particular episode were not really streaming a lot of places. So I, I will give this caveat that I, I did have to find some kind of torrent site to watch the, some of the next two, Uh, but, but I believe that, you know, this one probably should be on some streamer, but maybe I just didn't look deeper enough. But um, I, I've i always heard about this one um, just because of uh, it's synonymous with the, the kind of classroom type of uh, drama, I guess. And uh, so I, uh, I watched The Paper Chase, mm-hmm. um, 
which is uh, from 1973. Yeah. And, um, you know, a pretty well-known film that did spawn a TV series that lasted for a couple seasons. Um, but uh, this one is about, you know, a, um, a Harvard law student um, who is, uh, you know, and obviously Harvard Law, not uh, not the easiest uh, school to go through. Right. And uh, basically about the relationship he has with um, the the professor who is a very stern and hard on each of the students, who is uh, wonderfully played by John Houseman, who won an Oscar for this movie and also reprised his role in the in the TV uh, version of it, which I think, yeah, it lasted a couple years. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we go through and Jane or the, uh, the lead character is played by Timothy bottoms, who I think, um, I mean, he had a pretty good run there in like the seventies and eighties. I haven't really seen him in much lately. I'm sure he's still probably doing a lot of TV work, which just seems like a lot of these seventies, eighties actors. Yeah. Just kind of thriving in the in the streaming world, uh, but uh, you know he as he's going through it, you know you you learn all the relationships that he makes with with his fellow classmates, and uh, then he also starts to um, date this married woman who happens to be the daughter of the of the professor uh, who is, you know, kind of hard on him. So that of course throws a little bit of a, of a wrinkle into it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I found this to be, you know, a real kind of pleasant, um, a pleasant film to watch. Uh, I loved the, uh, you know, being a locations guy, I really w- appreciated the fact that it seems like they actually really shot um, some of this in Harvard. It looks like uh, just from a quick glance that, a lot of the other stuff was shot in Toronto on stages, kind of like uh, our beloved Christmas story here in Cleveland. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's always synonymous with that. Oh, it was shot in Cleveland, but hey, actually it was mostly shot in Toronto. Right. Uh, but, um, but yeah, really um, it's kind of like that old school studio movie that um, it, it really actually, there's a movie that's coming out soon that just premiered at, the some of the film fest the fall film festivals mm-hmm. uh, with Paul Giamatti it's called the holdovers oh yeah uh, to me it looks like if um if alexander payne was kind of looking for inspirations i i would just venture to say based on the trailers that paper chase was a big okay it's on him yeah. uh but uh, yeah one of those uh you know maybe you could say it's a little slower in tone uh, as compared to something that would be made today. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, this is the type of movie that's like dynamic because of the script and and the acting as well. It's kind of those ones. I think we've, uh, we've lamented off and on on the show of like, these movies just don't get made anymore. Yeah. Oh, exactly. If they do, it has to be adapted to be like prestige television or something. Well, can you do it as like a six episode thing on Apple Plus and maybe we'll get an Emmy or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It would. This one would be. You said it was a TV show, actually. Yeah, it was a TV show. I'm trying to see when the TV show aired. Um, Let's see. Yeah, it's it's, late 70s. 70s. Okay. Um, So like I would almost be curious to see this one um updated for modern um oh sure you know, the, 
uh, like a, a modern setting, I think might be interesting. But of course, you know, I'm always complaining like there's too many remakes. So maybe I'm I'm part <laughs> of the problem. But, <laughs> but yeah, but definitely, um, I, I can see why when you know you kind of Google college films like this is one that kind of comes up like sure. towards the the top. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll have to put that in my watch list cause I have not seen that one, but it's the era I was just raving about and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to, uh, need to, need to see those. Um, that's funny. So you said John Houseman, like all I was picturing was him as in, um, speaking of Leslie Nielsen, naked gun. Yes. Yeah. And I was like stern, like, I kind of got to see that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I just picture him as being kind of a, kind of a goofball. Cause I watched naked yeah. gun too many times. No, he's. He's great in this. Um, I mean, you can t- you can tell why he won the Oscar. It's so oh, good. sure. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, my last honorable mention is, I'm trying to think the transition. Okay, so also a prestigious Ivy League school. Okay. Uh, setting for this one. Um, I went with uh, Justin Simeon's film from 2014, Dear White People. Mm, yes. Which then would go on to inspire um, a TV series, which I was keeping up with for, I thought I was keeping up with. I'd saw, I've seen two seasons of it, but apparently there's four seasons. So, oh, wow. Um, I'm what was that? What, what was, oh, you had a great phrase a while ago when um, you lose things that you like, but they're, I got flicked. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's there on Netflix with no fanfare. And I was like, I've been watching this. Why wouldn't the algorithm say, like, hey, idiot, there's a new season of this? So I got yeah. two more seasons to go. But he also has been um, looking at his credits. Like, he's at least around producing, but he wrote and directed a number of episodes of the show. So I think it's, I think it was his baby to launch, but I think maybe he has stepped away a little bit because he's been directing. Um, yeah, since he did then. Haunted Mansion, I believe, for Disney. He did. Yeah, he did Haunted Mansion, and he did um, another one called Bad Hair. That's like a horror comedy. Oh yes, yes. Um, from a year, a couple years ago, I guess at this point. Um, but I was still at the art house when Dear White People came out. It was a Sundance hit, uh, satirical comedy drama, kind of also an ensemble piece. Um, yeah. Now I have like so we were talking about Elliot Gould and Mash, like not <laughs> maybe unlike a Robert Altman approach. Like it's a very ensemble, multi character. Uh, kind of look at this uh, fictitious Ivy League college, but also picture in 2013. You've got, um, I, I think the star mate, I, I, uh, the breakout role that grabbed my attention also because she's a film geek in the movie is Tessa Thompson. Um, yeah, this is probably the movie where I fell in love with her because I, and then following her through her career recently is is really kind of fascinating to see her go into the Marvel universe, but also like working with Boots Riley on Sorry to Bother You and yeah, taking some really interesting roles. Uh, Westworld on HBO, she's fantastic in. Um, and then you also have Dennis, uh, Haysbert, um, playing, uh, basically the Lawrence Fishburne part in higher learning is now Dennis Haysbert, which is kind of interesting to see how that's sort of evolved. But, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see this particular comedy. Um, I, I think, so Tessa Thompson's character to me takes you through the whole thing. She plays Samantha White. She's a media arts major, but she also does a, um, a radio show. So again, near and dear to my heart, she's on the radio yeah. at her college <laughs> doing a show called Dear White People that addresses a lot of what was going on. Um, uh, a lot of what was going on within the culture in 2000, kind of like 12, 13, as Justin was writing this story and then filming it in 2014. Um, there's a uh, some backlash on campus to a blackface party that's being yeah. And it dives into all kinds of interesting campus uh, politics, I think very similar to the way Getting Straight dove into campus politics of its time in 1970. 
The timeline, though, here is interesting. And then I want to mention one quick thing about how Justin uh, Simeon being a film geek really appealed to me with some of the stuff in this movie. Yeah. But so the film comes up in 2014. That is during the Obama years when, you know, the culturally and politically, it was like, oh, racism's over. We've elected a black president and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you're like, really? Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but then it's also released um, in the wake of uh, BLM, like the birth of yeah. BLM and becoming uh, uh, another, a new, a new avenue for activism um, after the killing of Michael Brown. And a whole unfortunate, tragic list of other of other black men by police officers. And then the TV series starts up in 2017. So three, four years later. And that's runs entirely during the Trump years. And it's these he's making these like time capsule movies that are capturing the zeitgeist, like right at that particular moment. But with like real sharp satire and comedy when it could easily have been like a higher learning or, you know, with honors kind of very serious approach to very serious topics. I, I think he's able to really address some things head on in a much more I hate to use the word appealing, but you know what I mean? Like using comedy as a vehicle to make a point versus drama, just I think it audiences respond differently to that. Yeah. No, I I I really I remember responding really well to the movie. Um I wasn't as really for some reason the the show didn't really catch with me as much, but like the movie at the time that that was just like one of those uh, ones that it was just like, wow, this is like a new voice. This is like yeah. hilarious. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, maybe I, I do need to maybe give the, uh, the TV show another spin. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really, um, really talented guy. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and speaking to that talent real quick, he, um, I always remember this from an interview he gave, I think it was like on a podcast or something when the film version, when the film came out originally, and he was talking about how, um, film geeks will love all the Easter eggs he put in there. And he referenced how he took like one, uh, one of his favorite stills from Barry Lyndon and composed a shot of like, I think it's in the, the, the white jacketed, um, uh, sport coat fraternity. Uh, there's a scene there where it's just the scene from Barry Lyndon. And there's another scene, um, of a whole group of, I think it's the black students reacting to something that's a shot lifted right from, uh, Fritz Lang. Oh, wow. Um, and stuff. And I was like, oh, you're tickling all my film geek uh, stuff here. So let's just, if you look it on YouTube now, I think you can find people put together like some shot by shot stuff where like he has all kinds of just great film geek uh, stuff hidden within even just a shot composition here. I'm like, oh, I am interested in what you're doing <laughs> yeah. now, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So yeah, Dear White People from 2014. Did you have any honorable mentions left, Mike, or should we jump into the picks? Yeah, I'm going to jump into the pick and... As, as I kind of I allude alluded to, um, so that I was when looking up this this for this episode, I was you know, like I said, I mentioned Revenge of the Nerds and really liking that movie. So I I looked up the director Jeff Canoe, and I I wasn't really familiar with any other things that he did, and he he has done a few things, but it turns out that he did a movie that came out the exact next year. Uh, it came out in 1985 and it also, it's a little bit, when you watch it, it is a little bit of a revenge of the nerds reunion because Anthony Edwards is the, is the lead actor. Um, and, uh, some of the other people who had bit parts in revenge of the nerds come back. This movie is called gotcha. I was just, uh, wondering if you're doing anything Saturday night. No, I don't think so. Would you like to go out with me? No. Jonathan Moore is a young man with a problem. You are without a doubt the biggest animal I have ever seen in my entire life. Does that mean no? 
he goes to Paris on vacation. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? He meets a mysterious woman. I like virgins. You do? In an even more mysterious line of work. Are you a spy? Yes, I am a spy. He follows her to Berlin. Hi! Now the CIA is after him. The Russians are trying to kill him. Russians? He's having the vacation of a lifetime. If he lives. James Bond there. Have you ever heard of this one? I have not. No, not at all. Okay. I had not heard of this one until, you know, last week <laughs> when I when I found it on uh one of these illegal sites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh because it's this one's not streaming, but I did see that recently I think Kino Lorber might have put a, a Blu-ray out of it. Okay. Um but uh so basically anthony edwards plays a, a college freshman um he is a you know he's like instantly charm you know he he's got like that charm that he had in revenge of the nerds you know he, yeah. and and then of course the next year in top gun um but um this is one of those uh movies where it starts off on the college campus and mm-hmm. uh, he he's always he's like um like you don't really know what's going on at first, but you can, t- it, it almost like the music's kind of mysterious where it seems like he's being chased. And it turns out that he's on this campus game where it's like they play paintball with each other. pretty okay. much. And so like, he's almost like he, but he's, he's like the best at it. So he's never been caught. And, um, and whenever, when he shoots somebody, he says, gotcha. Like that's the whole <laughs> game. Um, and, uh, so we flash for it. We also learn though, that he is, you know, he's bad, pretty bad with women. Um, and he's, he's a virgin. Uh, <laughs> so he decides to take a spring break out, um, to Europe, uh, into Paris where he meets, um, the, I think lovely, but we haven't seen her in a couple years now, but Linda Fiorentino, um, Oh you know, Yeah. He, who of course um, she had, I think the last seduction was like the, the movie that really kind of put her on the map. And then yeah. uh, also she was in, she was in at least one of the men in the black men in blacks, maybe the first one. Yeah, I think the original uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he meets her, you know, she is, uh, she's got kind of this, this accent and uh, he uh, follows her into, uh, and this is where the, the dated part of the movie comes in where um, East Berlin, uh, oh, so like sure. they go on this trip and then all of a sudden, you know, she, she gives him this, this object and then he becomes the, the target of the KGB and, <laughs> and also the, um, you know, the German government. So he's on the, the run and, uh, but you know, while he's doing this, he does, you know, he finally gets to lose his virginity to Linda Fiorentino. Uh, but then she kind of drops off the map. And then when he comes back, he realizes that he's still being chased by the uh, the Russian, basically, agents. Uh, okay. So obviously, you know, we're dealing with this is 85. This is, you know, Cold War tensions. Um, oh, yeah. 
it, so it's kind of it's a weird mix of comedy you know because it's kind of like a sex college sex comedy but then also you have this action spy espionage type of thing that's thrown together and it i don't know if it completely works but i was never bored you know okay. so I, I kept watching um you know like sometimes when you're you're at a crossroads with the movie it's like okay this is kind of weird i don't know All right, let's, yeah let's go with it um but um it I, I thought it was it was very much a unique um, product of it was you know Universal put it out they put it out like early May so I'm guessing it like you know they were maybe positioning it for some kind of like a summer but I don't know if back in '85 if May was still considered summer movie season or not like it is now where like Marvel kind of kicks it off that that weekend but a very um, yeah, I I I found it kind of fun, um, but it's like wildly different from uh, Revenge of the Nerds, where you know that is like very R rated. This one is it's PG thirteen, but PG thirteen and eighty five could you know it, it it you know it has a little bit of nudity. It has you know you know you hear some saltier language, I guess, than you would in a eighty you know a PG thirteen movie now. Yeah. But, but definitely um, it, it's like a forgot. I, I would say like maybe a forgotten or just one of those movies that I've never heard talk about ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, I think it just shows, you know, maybe at some point, you know, Anthony Edwards, of course, you know, went on to be famous for ER and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, he had some other stuff, but. I almost feel like this could have been if it was more received back then, you know, you know, kind of like the thing that would help elevate him to like superstar level. Cause you know, obviously Top Gun came out the next year. Um, but you know, he's always kind of, I mean, he's very well respected, but I don't know, like he's kind of not somebody you, you hear about being in a lot of things now. Right. He's almost yeah. like character actor status at this point. Like he pops up yeah. in David Fincher's Zodiac. And you're like, oh, sweet. Anthony Edwards is here. Like I've never reacted poorly when I've seen him pop up in a credits list. Yeah. And I also don't seek out movies that he has starred in. Yeah. Either. Now, uh, one of the things that I'll, that I'll just note about this movie, um, and I will, I'll include it in the Instagram post when we post this episode. <laughs> yeah. But I think it has one of the funniest um you know uh title revealing sequences i think okay. you know, that was a couple episodes ago with, like great title sequences that we had this yeah. is like he's kind of hitting on a woman and um uh, you know it, it doesn't go well and she's like flipping him off and that's when gotcha just pff, blasts on the screen it's kind of <laughs> funny yeah. i made a screen grab uh for nice. it, so. but uh but yeah definitely it's it's a very interesting I don't know. It, it's like, it's definitely a product of that, that specific era. I don't think you could remake this one today. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, we still have some tensions with Russia, but, um, but you know, the whole like East Berlin, West Berlin. Yeah. Thing, you'd almost have to set it uh, somewhere else or yeah. 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 It would probably be set in Asia. I'm going to guess because oh, I could do that. Like, everything has like a, a tie with China so you can get more money. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. 
but with the right uh, type of storyline uh yes. so you can actually get it shown there as well too or maybe latin america maybe like yeah. be yeah yeah could we do uh, north and south korea maybe or yeah. That oh yeah maybe maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i i was kind of it, it it was just fascinating to me that they that he literally made this movie right after revenge of the nerds yeah presumably is like oh we're hot right now let's do something else college movie yeah 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 and like you said i mean that's also we were just mentioning you know val kilmer and top gun as well uh you've got a thread of you've got a top gun thread running through yeah <laughs> your commentary in this episode i guess <laughs> as as a child fan of uh if looks could kill with richard grieco <laughs> this one kind of speaks to me in that same way where you're like okay you can identify i could identify as like okay there's the student now wrapped up in international spy intrigue i like the the action genre here like okay let's go with this i want to see where this goes but it's also such a weird hybrid yeah it's not well, like the, genres yeah like the the hot older woman or slightly older woman not not too much older yeah uh, but then you know there is a twist where you realize you know she is american actually uh, sorry i've spoiled well, um, you know i've spoiled a 40 year old movie but yeah uh, an yeah. movie <laughs> <laughs> but how about you what what did you end up picking uh so okay i'm i'm swinging way back uh i actually when we first said uh college set films i uh, i think even on the episode i've made the comment of first thing that comes to mind uh you know like a higher learning or if somebody wants to recommend I don't, I still haven't seen PCU like all the way through. It was just around me. But the one that I went to was, a, it was a movie that I've owned for a long time, but I've never actually popped in and watched. Um, and so I'm taking us all the way back to 1927. Wow. It is the Buster Keaton comedy, obviously silent, uh, College. Called, <laughs> called college yeah this one i ended up I, I picked it as my main one because uh i i just watched getting straight recently and i was debating using that one but i wanted to use this one because it was one like we always we mentioned a few times on the show like owning physical media that we just haven't actually watched yeah so much so that it may just be like a challenge one day to like yeah pop pop the wrapper open finally yeah. and watch this damn movie um it was one of those like, oh, it's a Buster Keaton movie. I found it for a few bucks in some discount bin somewhere. And I was like, well, this is always worth a few bucks. Come on. What are we doing? So he co-directed it with uh, James Horn. Okay. And I think in this era of Buster Keaton directing, I think it's because, you know, he's doing a lot of the physical comedy, you know, lifting here. So, like, he knows camera placement by this point in his career. He knows how to do the gag effectively at this point in his career. He doesn't have a writing credit here, but the narrative actually comes together in just this perfect way, which a lot of, I think a lot of his... A lot of his best films kind of do this. It's like kind of setting up uh, kind of a, a skill set of gags throughout the plot that kind of pay off with the, the climax. So in this particular case, um, it's also in that genre of he he's clearly shouldn't be playing a high school student, but he's playing a high school student at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. He graduates uh, as like the, the head of his high school calls him like the most brilliant scholar we've ever produced, really leaning into that. He's he's the book nerd. He's the guy. And then during his, his speech, um, again, with title cards, because it's a silent film. He's just like sports are a waste of time. Books are where it's at, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he alienates basically his entire class because he's just, <laughs> you know, like you wasted all your time with sports. You know, I got to, you know, I'm going to the best college because I did books, blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, he also kind of distances uh, his love interest. I think it's, it's his sweetheart, as it was called. Yeah. Uh, Mary. And so in order to win her, get back into her good graces, he follows her to college and to impress her. 
the college he follows her to, I think, is described by someone as like an athlete infested college. <laughs> so like so he goes there and in order to impress her, he's like, well, all right, I guess I have to be an athlete. I'm going to join the sports teams. And so it's just vignette after vignette of him trying uh, to do baseball. And then basically, if like it's as if the comedy here is like Buster Keaton basically doesn't has never heard what baseball is, doesn't know how to play anything. Yeah. So. And I, I laughed out loud a number of times. I'm writing down my notes. I was like, I'll just start doing tally marks. And I was like <laughs> laughing out loud so much. I was like, OK, I'm, I'm done making marks after like 10, 11 marks. I was like, this comedy just works. You know, sometimes the greats are greats for a reason. And I think this is yeah. not that this is his greatest film, but it's so like the laughs per minute ratio is so high in this like 60 minute movie. It's great. I, I showed my daughter a few scenes because she runs track uh, at her middle school. She does hurdles, a couple of hurdle events. And there's a scene here where they're showing guys in the 1920s doing um, what's the one thing called with that? There's pole vault and then the one without the pole, the high jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're landing in piles of sand. <laughs> like there's no inflation. Yeah. Like when, wh- what? <laughs> like yeah. straw or something would be short, but like they're pole vaulting and it's all in one take, and they're landing in sand, which is not a cushy surface. So that blew my mind, and we were both wincing watching that part. Right. <laughs> um, and then he does. He goes and gets a job um, as a soda jerk. Well, you know, disastrous results. And then he gets a job as a waiter. And this is the problematic part I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is a scene where Buster Keaton is doing blackface, and he's a waiter. And yeah. it doesn't work out because he sweats and he wipes his face and he ends up being chased out of the uh, the establishment, not only by coworkers, but also the people that are they're eating there as well. So just a heads up, that scene's coming your way in this particular movie. OK, OK. But then as it builds to the climax, a professor uh, basically gets him the job, not the job. He gets him the job, uh, the role on the rowing team, the crew team um, where he does the rudder like at the back. And then he has the megaphone where he's like, row, row, row. Like, so you don't necessarily have to have a lot of physical prowess <laughs> in a yeah. sport to do it. So that, you know, comedy ensues uh, with that because he really doesn't know what he's doing. The climax is his sweetheart, Mary, is taken hostage in her <laughs> dorm room by another male student who was kicked out and is going to get her kicked out as well. Because if she gets caught with a dude in her dorm room, you're kicked out of college. Yeah, it's 1927. And so the climax to the movie is Buster Keaton basically has to pole vault into her room. And then he's throwing stuff at this guy to get him uh, to leave or whatever. And he's showing off his javelin skills and his shot. So he's collected all of these skills by being shitty at sports throughout the movie. And that pays off comedically at the end because he can do all of these things to save her because he kind of like he learned them by trying out and doing all these sports. So if you hadn't tried out comically all these different sports, it wouldn't have paid off in the end where like every single skill set he needed to save his sweetheart, he learned by doing sports. <laughs> so it was like, man, this just, wow. But then, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil an almost hundred year old movie. Sure. The end of the movie, they get married and it's this quick time lapse of like five or six scenes of them just spending their whole lives together. And the end of this comedy is just their, their headstones next to each other in a graveyard. Wow. It's kind of hilarious. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Buster Keaton and his tonal balances and, you know, leaves you with a laugh, but also like, a uh, Oh, kind of a, kind of a deep thought. Yeah. 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 No, it's kind of, I'm like, I'm kind of just scrolling through some of the pictures as you're talking about this. And it's, it's interesting how, um, even though so many things have jumped forward in this, in society, it looks like 
a lot of the same tropes that that you would say or or like the actual things for college apply to oh, yeah. this 1927 you know how sports are like so so important to collegiateness yep. and then also just you know dorm rooms and and all that stuff like how it's all just where like it's like we've jumped forward 100 years but it's like a lot of the stuff is still the same it's, it's kind of the same um not not necessarily jumping 100 years forward to the present day but one of my all-time favorite american musical films is greece and there's yeah. that Daniel Luco yeah. montage where he's trying to be like the jock to impress Olivia Newton-John. Yes. And he tries out all this stuff. And on basketball courts, he gets into a fight because he doesn't know how to dribble. Like, I don't know that that was a direct reference to college, but like, it's the same comedic shtick. Yeah. Um, in Greece in the 70s as it was in uh, 1927 Buster Keaton movies. So, yeah, you're right. I'm sure that similar montage is somewhere else in, in more modern movies. But, you know, it works. Yeah. It yeah. works. It's that's, hilarious. So that's awesome. So our official watch challenge picks for college films are College from 1927 and Gotcha from 1985. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? We, I, sorry, I'm just I'm taking it back by putting those two movies together. What a sorry. fascinating combo yeah. <laughs> we, we came up with on this one. Um, our next challenge, you know, we're heading into the fall, and I thought I've already started some, you know, horror watching. I think you have as well, based on Slother House. Uh, yes. Just the other night. <laughs> I wanted to dig in on a horror genre, uh, sub, sub, sub genre. So films with cults is what we're looking at. Films that contain some sort of storyline where a cult, uh, interpret that as you will, uh, is involved with, uh, with the plot. If you'd like to suggest a topic or genre that you'd like covered on a future show, please email us at watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can even send us a DM on our Instagram, which is watchchallengepodcast. Um, or in the links of the show notes, including that, uh, Instagram accounts. Yeah. Absolutely. As we were to our repertoire, but, uh, yeah, the links are in there. So whatever you're listening to us on, just look at the show notes there. And until next time, folks, uh, while you're in your podcast app, rate and review the show, and we will see you all with the next challenge. Mm-hmm.